and welcome to episode 10 of Fiction Forward, which is actually really episode 12 since we recorded and at least partially edited two other episodes in the last couple of months, which didn't make it to the internet for varying reasons. But you know, in the meantime, welcome to uh, episode 10. I'm gonna do a recap of first of all why I'm alone right now. I'm I'm not sure if you've noticed, but my co-host Kelly is uh, her voice is, is absent. Uh, in case you don't know the difference between the two of our voices, I'm Jackie. <laughs> um, I am a co-host of Fiction Forward, and Kelly, who is normally here with her lovely, lovely radio voice, um, couldn't be here today. I will explain further. It's okay. Everything's fine. First, I'm just going to recap really quick. Like I mentioned before, we had those two episodes. The ones that got away. The multiple ones that got away. So, the first episode that that kind of didn't, didn't make it to the internet, we actually lost the audio for that one. So, um, our audio file got corrupted. Could happen to anyone, you know, that kind of thing. And the other episode, uh, Kelly started not not feeling well um, kind of while she was editing that, so it just kind of never came to be in the universe, which is totally fine. But yeah, I'm gonna do a little recap of what we talked about. The first one that we recorded was a news roundup. Uh, in case you haven't listened to one of our news roundups, you should definitely listen to the last one we published. It's one of my favorite episodes. Um, we basically just go over publishing news and, like, recent developments and talk about our opinions and etc. It's a shorter episode. It's like around 30 minutes instead of the hour that our episodes usually are, especially when we have a guest. Uh, There's no guests on those episodes and we just kind of chat. So we recorded one of those. It built a little bit on our last one, um, our last published one, I should say, that talked about how the Me Too movement moved in on uh, YA publishing. I mean, not moved in on... (laughs) It's it's part of YA publishing. It doesn't, like, infiltrate. We're shining light on it in YA publishing. Anyway, we, we talked in our last episode, which you can listen to, about the multiple authors like Jay Asher, who wrote 13 Reasons Why, who have been talked about in this sphere. Uh, Sherman Alexie was one of those authors. He's a Native American author. He has written some really popular books and was supposed to get a Carnegie Medal this year. He actually turned that medal down because of uh, sexual harassment claims against him. And he just recently published this, I, I guess you call it an apology. It's, is it an apology though? When you issue a blanket apology and then in the same breath say that you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Because that's what he did, basically. Um, he, he starts off with saying that he's sorry for all the people that he hurt, and then by the end of it, he's explaining that like he's done nothing wrong and that the allegations against him would be out of character and that he would never do that. So that's another 
fun episode in the Me Too movement that we talked about uh, that you guys never got to hear. We also talked about how Lemony Snicket, um, which is not his real name, but I'm sure most of you know him as Lemony Snicket, is trash. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of you really like his books, and that's totally okay. But um, he has been, uh, I guess, accused. Uh, Is it an accusation when you have proof? I... I guess. Anyway, he's been kind of dragged into all of this as well because he's been making inappropriate comments and, like, inappropriately kind of power playing people for years and no one ever talked about it and now people are talking about it. Um, He also made just really horrifying comments in public. Like, one time he made a joke about a black woman receiving a uh, prestigious award about her not liking watermelon and I just it's fine everything's not okay he's garbage uh that was actually a long time ago by the way and people are still talking about it for good reason so yeah you know we talked about some garbage people we talked about um Sherman Alexi turning down his Carnegie medal and that those are the highlights I'm not gonna go through like every point we we went through in that episode and then the other episode we recorded was about Tomi Adeyemi's book, Children of Blood and Bone. And I'm sad, you know, that that never got published because <laughs> I guess I guess I'm not that sad because it wasn't a super interesting episode. Most of the like hour was really just Kelly and I being like this book is amazing. I love this book. Everyone read this book. This book is amazing. Um so, you know, I'm not gonna, again, I'm not gonna, like, go through everything we talked about. The cliff notes are that Tomi Adeyemi is amazing. She's 23, which, um, is my age, uh, which I guess I shouldn't tell all of you because it makes me sound way less accomplished. Anyway, she, <laughs> she's 23, she graduated from Harvard, she's amazing, and she, she has, like, a whole website full of writing advice. And you can actually, like, pay to get advice from her. It's a whole thing. This is her debut book. She's never written a book before. Well, she's never gotten a book published before. I think she had one other finished manuscript. And it's a bestseller. It was an instant bestseller. She got a seven-figure book deal. She already has a movie deal from Fox. She had the movie deal before the book got published, before anyone even bought it. Um, I mean... HarperCollins had bought the manuscript, but before, like, a consumer had even bought this book. And it's pretty amazing. Probably one of my favorite quotes from Tomi Adeyemi um, was, she said in an interview, we can't Obama this, where we have a black president, so suddenly racism is cured. And then eight years later, Nazis are marching and people are, (laughs) and people start saying, maybe we have a race problem. So... I like that. She also said, um, our books, as in, like, people of color's books, um, are not there to magically fix publishing. Hashtag accurate. But maybe, she said, they'll start changes moving so that in six months they'll have even more great stories where people of color can see themselves and feel heard. And I am a fan of this mindset. I really hate the mindset that if you're a POC in publishing, it's, like, your job to like fix everything like it like it's somehow your responsibility (laughs) anyway 
read Children of Blood and Bone. It was amazing. Tomi Adiemi is awesome. You should all follow her on Instagram because she's hilarious. Also on Twitter. Wonderful human being. Also, just amazing that she's like this and she's 23 and I hate myself a little bit, but it's okay. I forgive her for making me hate myself because she's amazing. But in the meantime, I am welcoming a guest today. Her name is Kat Skinner. She runs a website called Your Beta Reader. And if you couldn't tell by the name of her website, she's a beta reader. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk to her today about all kinds of cool beta reading things. And we're just going to chat for a while. I hope you guys enjoy it. So hello, Kat. Hi, Jackie. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's really nice to be here. And yes, I, I tried to keep the title of my website as simple as possible, so I would be very easy to find. Perfect. I think probably if you Google beta readers, if there's a website called beta reader, it's probably going to show up near the yeah. top. Yep, it's true. So how long have you been running your beta reader? I've been beta reading professionally for about three years, and uh, I started out really slow, and the momentum has kind of picked up, so I'm happy to say that now I actually have some contract beta readers working with me as well, because sometimes wow. the volume is quite large and I can't manage on my own, so I have to bring in reinforcements. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it was kind of a fluky thing. Um, I realized in my own writing how useful it was to have a live writing community to be part of. Uh, mm -hmm. I was part of a writing group and I was taking writing classes nearby and just getting feedback and, and input from other authors was really useful. And I realized in the virtual world, it might be more difficult to connect with people that you can rely on for impartial feedback. So that's how I kind of got started. Yeah. How many manuscripts do you think you read like last year? Last year? Um, last year I was reading at least two a week. This wow. year, this year, I'm this year I'm up to about three a week. So, that's oh my goodness. Do you ever like read anything for fun or? Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I used to read a lot of books for pleasure. Uh, yeah. Now, now pleasure reading is kind of rare for me. So, yeah, I find that by the end of the day, my eyes are just exhausted, and I kind of want to like shut it all down. So I bet <laughs> I, I do. I do try to block out some vacation time in there too, so I can just like reset my brain and read other authors that are a little more established yeah yeah have you read anything recently that's already been published um I actually listen to a lot of audiobooks oh. uh, it, I try to exercise and when I do that I listen to books instead of trying to read them just because it's like a different way of taking it in so I'm in the mm -hmm. middle I'm in the middle of a Jennifer Weiner book right now because I really love her oh awesome yeah <laughs> which one uh, it's called Who Do You Love? Nice. Yeah, it's just simple and easy. A little bit of fluffy yeah. goodness. Everyone needs some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and oh, I just finished John Green's Turtles All the Way Down as well. Oh yeah, is that is that good? I haven't even read it yet. I did really like it. It's kind of both yeah. a mystery and a story about a, a girl who's living with mental illness. So there are lots of layers and as usual, like really beautiful characters. He's an yeah. amazing writer. I love everything by him. Yeah. So 
for for those of us who are not initiated in the ways of publishing and it is a little bit of a mystery. Um, where does beta reading like come in in the publishing process? Sure, that's a great question. And I find that a lot of my authors, um, they kind of approach it in different ways. But I will tell you where a beta reader wants to come in in the process. Sure, yeah. Um, first of all, I will read unfinished manuscripts, but that's not my preference. Um, I like to take in a story from start to finish in one fell swoop. Uh, because I think mm -hmm. it gives you a better sense of the journey and uh, the plot, really. Um, I prefer a clean manuscript, so I like something that has had some copy editing done. And in my opinion, you shouldn't have your story beta read until you feel like it's ready for the world. So yeah. if you know you want to work with a copy editor or an editor, I would bring those people in first. And then really like beta testing to me is the last stage before it hits the public eye. Um, a lot of people give me their manuscripts before this point. And I mean, I guess in many ways it can be discouraging to get a lot of feedback back from a beta reader when you think your draft is finished, uh, yeah. w which is why I would say get it as far along the road as you think is possible. Um, and then, you know, once once you've got that feedback, it's a matter of just dropping in, hopefully not a lot of huge structural changes, because by that point you've worked with an editor that you trust and hopefully they've caught a lot of plot holes and issues of that sort. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't submit a first draft ever to a beta reader. Yeah. Um, I work with a lot of new authors, uh, a lot of people who finished their first novel, maybe are kind of new to the writing world. So I think sometimes they don't really have a sense of how many passes it requires to get a book actually ready for consumption. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think of my own writing and how, how delighted I felt when I got to the end of, <laughs> of my novel. I thought I'd really accomplished as something huge, which of course you have when you finish your first book. That's a huge accomplishment. It takes a lot of yeah. people a long time. But then when you realize how far you are from having a clean, concise story, <laughs> it can be a bit daunting. So yeah, I would yeah. say like share it with share it with your writerly friends that you trust, uh, share it with a few people whose opinions you value and an editor who you trust and like to work with and then get it into the hands of a beta. Yeah. And I mean, as far as I am aware, beta readers are like not for line editing. They're not for no. grammar, none of that stuff. It's like big picture That's right. things. That's right. Like yeah. a beta reader is going to be reading your story as if they picked it up off the shelf or found it somewhere online and are just reading it for pleasure. So um, when I read, I've gotten a bit more detailed in my process. So I try to give as thorough feedback as possible. And I look for things like, character development and which characters I felt like I could really see and feel and which ones need more work. Um, a lot of times new writers have too many characters, so I try to give advice about who can, you know, be, get the axe. Um, <laughs> I, I try to give feedback on pacing too, like what are the points in the story where I'm getting bored or where I'm starting to lose interest, um, mm -hmm. how, how strong their tension is, whether or not I really understand uh, the conflict that each character is facing. Um, and yeah, we're reading for fun. I'm, I've started offering copy editing services as well, because I find that a lot of times I'm getting manuscripts that aren't clean. So I thought, you know, 
they might as well have a one-stop shop. So I now offer copy yeah. editing and beta reading. But when I'm beta reading, I'm literally just reading to see how much I'm enjoying the story, how much I'm connecting with the characters, and how much I would recommend the book to somebody else. Cool. So here's a question um, for... I feel like this line is a little bit blurred, but where does beta reading end and like sensitivity reading begin? Uh, well, I guess it depends on your beta reader. So mm -hmm. I, in my novel, I, I'm working on my own novel right now. Um, I knew that I wanted readers who were people of color. I wanted readers who were in the LBGTQ plus community. So I specifically sought out beta readers from those communities so mm -hmm. that I could make sure that my characters were represented strongly and that their voices were clear and nothing was muddy. Um, and so I got some really valuable feedback like that. Uh, I read for sensitivity just because I want authors to be accountable. So, you know, I, I don't represent a huge population, <laughs> but when yeah. I when I flag things that I think are objectionable now, you know, like... Um, stereotypes that are offensive, for example, I will definitely mm -hmm. make a point of pointing that out to the writer because I think it's important that they realize that they are going to be missing a huge chunk of people if they start offending, you know? And um, yeah. I, I think, I don't know, I think it's the responsibility of the beta reader to pay attention to those kinds of things because sometimes, you know, authors don't really think these things through and times are changing. You know, we're we're all waking up and we should be waking up and we should be keeping everyone's feelings in mind and making sure we're not alienating, alienating any of our readers potentially with our work. Yeah, definitely. And I know there's been some pushback recently, even though sensitivity reading is like nothing new, like this has been no. going on for so long. Um, but I just recently, actually, um, when I was preparing for this interview, I like researched sensitivity reading a little bit. And, like, the first things that come up are these ridiculous articles claiming that sensitivity reading... Oh, wait. Here's my favorite quote. Okay. It says, Sensitivity readers are thought police goon squad. <laughs> the thought police goon squad. And I... First of all, that's a great band name. Um, Absolutely. Thought, thought police goon squad. Um, I think that some sensitivity readers should start a band called Thought Police Goon Squad. Yep. But um, yeah, there's a lot of like really horrible like vitriol going on around the internet. Has anyone like focused any of this negative energy toward you or have you managed to avoid that? Not at all. In fact, I would say it's the opposite. I've had some authors who've questioned some of the things that I flagged because they didn't realize um, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's just not, they're not understanding, for example, what it is that I'm trying to say. Um, but it usually opens up a dialogue that's really positive and encouraging. And for the most part, I would say people have been willing to say, yeah, you know what, I hadn't really thought of it in that way. Or yes, I totally appreciate where you're coming from. Uh, and you know what, at the end of the day, my authors are going to take or leave my advice. It's sometimes they love all of my feedback sometimes they think some of it's really landing and others they just decide is irrelevant so I don't know how many changes I've made out there in the world but whenever I see stuff I always flag it because I think it's important that people know yeah which is another of my pet peeves when people talk about sensitivity readers they're like these people you know they're changing publishing they're they're erasing things and it's like publishers and writers don't have to take your advice actually like, no exactly like 
like, you're not erasing anything. You don't make, like, permanent changes to these manuscripts. You're just suggesting. No, I'm trying to steer people in a direction that I think is going to make their story most well-received by the most people. Uh, mm -hmm. And if they want to ignore that, that's their prerogative, I guess. But, you know, like, I, I feel like the, the, the work we are putting out into the world should be a reflection of our time in this moment mm -hmm. in life. And... I don't know. I mean, I guess you could continue to be ignorant if you want to, and maybe you'll find a readership out there, but I wouldn't read your book, so. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, luckily, especially YA publishing, which is mostly what we cover, is like moving in a good direction, I think. It's so, so. incredible. Inc it's incredible. And I have an almost 15-year-old daughter, so um, the way her friends, and even she, of course, approach life and people in the world and she's a theater kid too so you know she's like <laughs> a whole different variety of human yes. being I just it gives me so much hope just the way yeah. that their eyes are wide open they are embracing so many things and so many people you know it, it's very encouraging to see and the stuff that she reads too she passes on to me all the time and I'm amazed I wish that stuff existed when I was a teenager all we had was Judy Bloom, which was pretty damn good but I can't even imagine how I would be now <laughs> if I grew up reading some of the stuff she's found. Yeah. Judy Bloom was an experience. Yes. I learned a lot of things from Judy Bloom. <laughs> Me too. Oh man. Um so have you ever had to make like really large um not I guess not changes but suggestions that that have just been very <laughs> very problematic that you've had to make notes on or have you have you not really encountered that well I have a disclaimer with all of my clients uh, where I tell them if for some reason I don't feel like I can help you make your book better I will refund you so there have been a couple of instances where their work was so be far beyond my scope that I just <laughs> had to say I'm sorry I can't I can't help out yeah yeah and sometimes it's just an issue of like English is not the first language of the author, and they're very excited about trying to create something in, in the English language, but structurally, it's just not there quite yet. So I don't think mm -hmm. it's fair to take their money and try to help them write a book when they really need help with other things first. Um, and sometimes it's just like ethics, you know? I, I had someone submit a parenting manifesto that they'd written, and it was just so far and beyond different <laughs> than I would ever parent a child I just said you know what I'm not I'm not actually the reader that you want so yeah when it's that far from saving I mean there are instances where I see that the book itself is not anywhere near ready for publishing and then I have to be honest I tell the author you know like I can see you're really passionate um here's where I think that you need to develop your craft a bit more here are some resources that I've found really useful for learning this particular element of writing because uh, mm -hmm. no novel writing is no easy task you know there are certain formulas that you have to follow and structural things that you have to pay attention to so I give them kind of an overview of what I thought of the story and the characters but then I try to also point them in the direction of places where they can develop their writing a bit more as well yeah <clears throat> sorry that's okay <laughs> Like, yeah. largely, I would say that it's not for me to decide, ultimately, if a work is going to have an audience. Because there's some stuff out there that has been published that I have read that lots of people love and I do not understand. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a subjective kind of thing. So I can't really say yes or no if, if they're going to have a fan following or an audience or any success finding an agent. But I can say this is what I know makes for a good story from my opinion. You know, like, yeah. this is what I like to see when I'm reading a book. So, yeah. 
I actually read, um, I'm not going to name the book because I just don't want to like get into it, but there was a book published <laughs> recently um, that got a lot of backlash on the internet. And even the author was quoted in this article saying no amount of beta reading would have fixed this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a good point. Like, like there's just books that exist in the world where like you can you can send it to sensitivity readers and beta readers yeah. all you want, but if it if the core idea of the book is is problematic for lack of a better word, um, you know it's just it's just gonna be an issue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's true. And and you know whenever I give feedback, I try to be encouraging and positive as well. Um, because I know what it's like to get critical feedback on your work. I know how hard it is to put yourself out there on paper and mm -hmm. then like wait with bated breath until someone tells you what they thought of it. And so I always try, like, I'm not going to say that I sugarcoat because that's not really helping anybody, but I always try to be really clear on what I did like. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I, when I give constructive feedback, I try to make it just that constructive instead of critical. Uh, I hired a beta reader once for my own novel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but um, this person was a client that I had beta read for. And then she went on to develop her own business. And her feedback was so mean. Like she was Ooh. just mean. Like whether or not she had a point was kind of lost on me because I was like, oh, my God, how would you deliver it like that? <laughs> I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't understand. So yeah. that was a good, good learning for me as well. Just understanding the importance of how you say something to, to a re an author as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I started offering another service too that I've used a couple of times with my authors because sometimes I send my notes back to them and it takes a little while they have to digest and then mm -hmm. they end up with some questions. So I now have uh, like a half an hour consultation available where we can jump on a Skype chat and just kind of go through my notes and jam about ideas. Because again, yeah. it all comes, it comes back to understanding the value of um, having a live writing community versus being kind of in the internet sort of like swimming in a great sea of not knowing anybody out there. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, I've found it's really nice to have that one-on-one -on -one connection too. Sometimes if, it, if one of my authors says, Hey, like I was thinking of rewriting chapter one like this, what do you think? I, I suggest we jump on the Skype because then we can just throw things around and yeah, it, it feels a little bit more fun than passing back emails. I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so like what, <laughs> This might not even be an applicable applicable question, but what portion proportion do you think of your edits tend to be like more sensitivity reader related, like talking about maybe problematic ideas, and what proportion are just like general like plot beta reading edits? I would say that largely I end up with more structural editing and like mm -hmm. basic manuscript critique versus sensitivity reading. Occasionally, I will get authors who approach me just because they want my perspective. So, for example, I just finished reading a work of erotica that was written by an older gentleman. And it was it was a story, a love story about an older man who'd fallen in love with a considerably younger woman. So already I was like, mm. oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. But I was pleasantly surprised at this story because it was actually written with a lot of sensitivity and beauty. And there's a lot of male masculine vulnerability, which I loved oh my god it was so refreshing but there were a couple moments where I was like that's creepy oh don't I don't <laughs> you're you're totally turning me off right now and yeah and that was definitely sensitivity based um but it was so smart of him I think to reach out to a woman and he specifically said I want to publish this in the me too era and I want 
people to still enjoy it. So, yeah, occasionally. That's so refreshing. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? And, <sighs> and if there's hope for an older dude who's writing this stuff somewhere out in the universe, like, really, maybe there's hope for all of us. I don't know. Yes. Um, but, but, yeah, largely it's more just structural standard stuff. Um, I, I don't know if it's just that I'm getting a lot of, like, sci-fi <laughs> where it doesn't really come up in the same way but at the same yeah. time I don't know I feel like I I get one of two types of authors either they're like kind of more on the conservative side of things so it doesn't really come into play or they're really way out there so they're already super sensitive and their eyes are wide open and they're writing about all kinds of things in a really sensitive and interesting way yeah yeah which has been really great I mean I was at Book Expo this year, um, which was awesome, and there was a panel on LGBT plus authors mm-hmm. from Tor, and V.E. Schwab, who writes for all kinds of age groups and genres, um, she was talking about how, you know, sci-fi used to use science fiction and fantasy to kind of use existing paradigms and push them against themselves like oh people don't want to read about like poc characters great we'll make them aliens like problem solved but now she's she was explaining you know we need to to make sure we're not overdoing that and make sure we're not just like blindly giving an alien race like random poc qualities like yeah like we need to think (laughs) more about this now like (laughs) we're in 2018 um so yeah, it's it's been interesting to see it kind of unfold. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's our responsibility to think a little bit more about everything. Yeah. Which is why you should all get beta readers. That's right. Absolutely. And you know, here's the thing. Like, you can ask your friends to read your book. You can ask your parents to read your book. You can ask your colleagues. You can even ask other writers you know. But there's a level of intimacy there. And... there's not going to be as much objectivity because they know you, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to keep your feelings in mind. What happens nine times out of ten is that you never hear from them again and your book just goes off into the (laughs) ether. But when you approach a professional beta reader, you have a contract in place to some extent. You know, like all of my clients pay through PayPal so they know they have total security. If something goes wrong, they can dispute it and get their money back. Um, Mm -hmm. But I set a deadline with all of them that I stick to unless there are extreme circumstances involved and in which case I communicate in advance if I can't make my deadline. Um, And they know they're going to get something back for their money and it's going to be totally impartial because I don't know them at the end of the day. I'm not trying to do them any favors. I'm not trying to be nice to them. I'm just trying to provide a service. So I think I think it's a really good investment, especially, you know, and it's not cheap. I know, especially if you're self-publishing, you've got a lot of things to pay for, but at the end of the day, that's maybe the most important time to find a beta reader because you are kind of going in it at, on your own and you don't want to bring something to market if it's not really ready. Yeah. Has there been anything, I don't even know if you're like technically allowed to say this, has there been, has there been anything you've beta read that you're like really proud of and it got published and it's like you, you were really excited to have worked on that project? Um, I have a lot of indie author success stories and there's a few people in particular whose stuff I really like to read. I don't know that I'm allowed to disclose who they are. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they have put me in their book credits. So 
if if it awesome. if it was a really good connection, you'll see me in their book credits. One of them is a YA series author who writes mm-hmm. about mermaids. I'll tell you that much. And I've read Ooh. many many of her books, and will hopefully read more. Uh, another one is a gentleman who um, he's writing a series of books about ancient Persia, and it's all this beautiful like goddess lore and super positive feminine sacred stuff. Wow. I was like, if there are more men like you out there, can you clone them and send them this way? Um, <laughs> yeah, his stuff is beautiful. I think I can say his name. His name is Dan Phelan. And uh, oh, cool. yeah, I found him through K-Boards, actually. Actually, no, he, he put me to K-Boards. He found me out of the ether, and then he sent me to K-Boards, which I didn't even know existed until I met him. So he's... What is what is K-Boards? Oh, it's, um, <laughs> it's a forum for people who publish in Kindle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, see, now you know about K-Boards. Now I know about K-Boards. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Now you all know about yes. K-Boards. Everyone, check out K-Boards. It's a beautiful community. Everyone's very kind and super helpful, and you can find all kinds of good resources if you're self-publishing over there. That's awesome. I love... One of the things I love about author communities is that everyone is just super positive all the time. Yes, yes, yes. Everyone is very helpful. I love it. Yeah, and publishing as an industry is pretty stressful but authors they just band together yeah yeah I mean at the end of the day each one of us has something that we can kind of help someone else with so I think it's really good to share those resources yeah so I'm I am all out of questions specifically amazing Uh, I mean can I do a shameless plug absolutely plug yourself let's go when is this going to air so this is going to air um, next week. Perfect. Okay, so I'm running a yes. summer promo Ooh. because Ooh. Um, I find at this time of the year things can slow down a little bit. So it's an opportunity to book for a flat rate. So my my rate is usually like point zero zero one cent per word, which is a little obscure. But okay, yeah. so for example, if you have a like a hundred thousand word book, it would cost you a hundred dollars to get a beta read. Um, okay. Right now, I have a flat rate promo of $60 for up to 90,000 words, uh, which is a really good deal. And I'm offering it for a limited time. And if you book now, you don't have to have a finished man- manuscript. So you can pay your $60 flat rate now and then send me your manuscript when it's ready if it's not quite there yet. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> And where can people find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, I'm at yourbetareader.com. And I'm also on Instagram under your beta reader. I'm on Facebook, your beta reader, and Twitter, your beta reader. It's very simple. Just wow, you, amazing. You, you think of a beta reader, I'm it's me. I'm your beta reader. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I I love that all of those usernames were available too. Like I've I've tried to make Instagram and Twitter accounts for multiple different brands, and uh, somehow the names are just, like, never available. I think the the entrepreneurial gods were smiling on me that day. Oh, also, I should Perfect. tell you, I read all genres, and if it's not totally my forte, I have other readers whose forte it is. So, And mm. I have readers who represent everything. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so well, much. This is really fun. Yeah, I'm glad I've I've enjoyed talking to you and I hope that you all go check out Kat's website after after listening. So thank you for joining me and I will definitely let you know when this airs and probably at you on Twitter. Yes, please. <laughs> 
everything is great. So, um, now everyone, you all know a lot more about beta reading. Congratulations. I hope we've all learned a lot today. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sign out a little bit. Um, again, I'm Jackie. Have, I've hope you, I hope, oh shoot. <laughs> I hope you've had fun in episode 10 of Fiction Forward, and hopefully the next time I see you guys, Kelly will be joining me. I apologize that it was just me today, but it's been a fun episode, and in the meantime, feel free to see us on Twitter at fiction underscore forward, or email us at fictionforward at fictionistmag.com. We would love to hear from you. Any book recommendations, interview recommendations, critiques, comments, cat photos, it's all good. So I'll talk to you next time. when you guys uh opened your podcast your episode 10 you were not you didn't sign on for just hearing one person banter with himself but uh that's what you got just me bantering with myself